Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good morning and welcome to Recruiting for Mamas. Um, My name is Jennifer Powers Johnson. I have a Division I athlete. He is still in high school. His name is Jackson Light. He plays center and D-tackle at Corner Canyon High School. And in this episode, we're going to be going over the following. Uh, The first is, now that the Power Five is playing, what does that mean for eligibility for the current players on those rosters, as well as incoming freshmen or the class of 2021? We're going to talk about the NC2A uh, blackout period and what that means for official visits and unofficial visits. We're going to talk about NC2A eligibility and requesting amateur status. Um, We're going to talk about the kinds of offers that are starting to go out now, as well as the early signing period and decommitments. So those are the things that we are going to be talking about today. So with that in mind, let's talk about what it means now that the Power Five is playing. So essentially, because we are in COVID, um, to give you the long and the short of it, and uh, this recording is actually specifically for moms, so I don't know how many moms are tracking it to the level I'm tracking it, so I'm just going to give you a general overview of what's happened so far. So because we're in the middle of a COVID pandemic... Originally, what was happening is the Big Ten decided that they were going to either postpone or cancel uh, football in the fall. And the sister conference to them, to a certain extent, is the Pac-12. So the moment the Big Ten did that, uh, the Pac-12 decided, yes, oh, good, they're leading, fantastic, we're going to do that too. And they decided that they were going to cancel slash postpone slash move to the January slash spring time frame, their season as well. And those two conferences really did believe that if they did that, the SEC and the ACC and the other big Power Five conference would follow along with them and everyone would do it in the same time frame, i.e. January slash spring time frame. But the SEC and the ACC and the other Power Five conferences, they didn't do that. They were like, no, no thanks. We love football too much, and we are not going to stop playing. So good luck with that, two other conferences. And at first, it was like, oh, okay, well, the Pac-12 is still going to move forward in the spring, and the Big Ten is still going to move forward in the spring. Now, the difference between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten is that the Big Ten – coaches, ADs, all of the people that were related to that decision uh, were not on the same page. They didn't come to the public with a unified front. And they uh, essentially, the ADs were like, no one asked us. And the coaches were like, no one asked us. And then parents of the players decided to protest and file lawsuits and all this rigmarole happened. And the outcry from the Big Ten um, fans, players, 
coach's parents was so big and so incredible that every day they were fielding more questions and lawsuits and protests and letters and they finally buckled and they were like, oh my gosh, not only is all this going on on our decision, but uh, the SEC, the ACC, and uh, the Big 12 are still playing. So they're going on without us. We're going to be left behind. So the Big Ten made the decision, we're going to do this, we're going to play. And they essentially decided they were going to move forward and play. Well, when that happened, the Pac-12 basically was going to be the only Power Five conference that was left behind. And in general, just you know, so you know, the Pac-12 struggles to be relevant in a national playoff picture anyway. Um, and so they panicked as well. They didn't move as quickly as the Big Ten, but they did move. And now the Pac-12 is playing as well. Now, the reason why I give you all of that backstory, and I'm assuming that all of you, most of you already know that backstory. And there are a bunch of FCS conferences that were delayed and they're now coming back as well but not all of them have necessarily come back like the Ivy League hasn't is not coming back at this point and there are other conferences that are not coming back at this point and maybe they'll change their mind and decide to play in the spring but from a national standpoint not only do we have some conferences that are still holding firm and not playing we have others that are saying that they're going to play in the spring we have others still that haven't made a decision and the power five has decided that they are going to so the nc2a as a whole decided we're going to give seniors an extra year of eligibility whether they play games or don't play games. So because that was the only way, way to apply eligibility status across the entire spectrum at the same time in such a way that it made it fair. Even though you are completely subject to what your conference is doing. So if I have my senior season coming up, and I'm playing in a conference that decided to move forward and play either a full conference schedule or a kind of pared down conference schedule, I can play this year and I can play next year. So that has some serious ramifications at this juncture because, again, that puts everybody's scholarship counts in such a place where um, I maybe got, instead of, uh, four years of eligibility total, five years of eligibility st- total. Now, the prevailing thought across the board is that the NC2A is going to make some sort of uh, waiver or consideration around the fact that they are going, that all the schools are going to need to cu- hold more scholarships than they normally would. And we're still waiting for the NC2A to come out with that announcement. At this point, all they did was say everybody gets an extra year of eligibility. So um, that gives kids who are at the school right now an additional year of eligibility. But we don't know what kind of relief all the schools are going to get for their roster spots. But everyone is moving forward and and giving offers, etc., in such a way that they are assuming that there's going to be some consideration made. Now, uh, 
That's what's happening when it comes to eligibility. Now, there are two things that are happening as well. You have athletes that are opting out to go to the NFL, and we've seen a bunch of those happen across the country if you follow it on Twitter. And generally, those athletes that do opt out to go to the NFL, they essentially have been told by the NFL, yeah, come on in. We want you. We're going to sign a multi-million dollar deal with you, okay? And then we have other athletes that may have specific physical problems that if they were to get COVID would be a problem as well. So if they, if you have a player who has asthma or you have a player that has an autoimmune disease, that kind of thing, they may be opting out and deciding not to play until such time as there is a vaccination. So those kids are not getting penalized for opting out. So um, if they're opting out to the NFL, that's great. That creates another roster spot and that the NC2A doesn't have to worry about. But if they opted out for health reasons, their spot is still available. So these are just things to be aware of. And what has happened at that this point is although the everyone's operating within this um, paradigm in which the NC2A is going to come in and create some relief, that actually hasn't happened yet. And so you're really seeing the offers that are going out are going out on good faith, um, as well as I've started to see some other offers go out like PWOs. And that tells me that they are starting to go, okay, we may be full. So just be aware of that as you start to see uh, what's happening on Twitter from uh, football offers and recruiting right now. Okay, so we covered what does it mean relative to eligibility now that the Power Five is playing. And at some point, there'll be more to come on that. If the NC2A decides to hurry up and make an announcement at some point, I will definitely come back out with another podcast and talk about that. Okay. The next item on our agenda was to talk about the NC2A blackout period. So originally, uh, in a normal year during uh, this time, they would not be in a blackout period. And so kids would be able to go to the campus, do official or unofficial visits, go to games, uh, get a feel for the team, get a feel for the coaching, get a feel for the atmosphere in the city and all those really fun things. Unfortunately, once again, we're in a pandemic. And so what they've done is originally they extended the blackout period until the end of July. Then they extended and they are the NC2A. Then the NC2A expanded the uh, blackout period to the end of August. And then they've just recently extended it all the way to uh, January 1st. So what that means is all the kids that were going to take their official visits are no, if they are planning on signing with a team and committing to a team prior to the second signing period, which is, I guess, considered the regular signing period versus the early signing period, they will not be able to take those visits before making that commitment and signing with the team. So, the early signing period happens in December and the second signing period or the regular signing period happens in February. And so there are some kids holding out hope that they'll be able to take official visits between that 
uh, January 1 and the second signing period. And I've actually seen some edits go out. UNLV has an edit right now where they send it out to specific people that they would love to have come in and take an official visit. And it said, save the date. And it had like some dates in January where they should kind of like a wedding announcement, like, hey, you're going to come and visit our school then. Um, this particular, depending on when your kid's planning on graduating, the early signing period tends to be where a majority of the kids actually do sign. So, uh, last year it was 77% of all the division one athletes playing football signed in the early signing period. And I think you're going to continue to see that trend because, what kids want to do is be able to make sure they have a secured spot. And so they're not going to, I feel like a lot of people that would have gone out and taken official visits and maybe even taken like three, four, five of them are no longer going to have that opportunity if they want to uh, enroll early and they want to compete for a starting job. Because half the reason why it's in an athlete's best interest to enroll in the early enrolling period, like in the January time frame and sign early is because you want to get in there and get ahead of the game and start learning the playbook and start making friends and start getting on schedule and start working on your education. So when it time comes for next fall in the 2021 uh, football season, you're competing for a starting job, or at least you're way ahead of the kids that showed up in June. So, um, that's what the NC2A blackout period means. So what that really means, though, is there are no unofficial visits between now and December 31st, and they could choose to extend that again depending on where the vaccine is. There doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason um, regarding why they're being arbitrary about that, but it could be things like we don't know what the testing protocols were, we don't want kids coming in and maybe they have COVID and giving it to the teams or vice versa. Um, we also know that most of the conferences have taken a massive financial hit because you're no longer allowing fans. Most conferences aren't allowing a ton of fans. And so um, from a tickets perspective and a merch and a concessions perspective, everyone's taking this massive financial hit. And so if you extend the blackout period during this time as well, they can save money on resources because if you're on an official visit, that costs the university a bunch of money to fly you in and show you a good time and do all the things they do on official visits. So maybe that helps them out there as well. So during this period, absolutely no official visits. Now, normally during, even when you're in kind of a blackout period or not even necessarily a blackout, normally you could do an unofficial visit where it was on your dime versus being on the university's dime. Well, right now you can't so what that would mean is you would pay your way, you would fly into the university, you would be able to see um, the facilities and meet with the coaches and do all that, but it would be on your dime, right, and not their dime. This blackout period means there's no unofficial visits either. So you could, you you can't go to a university and meet with the coaches. You can't see the facilities on a tour right now um, that was provided by the coaches. Now, what I have been seeing um, a lot, and I think I first took notice 
of it, uh, Corey Foreman and a bunch of kids decided that they were going to do an unofficial visit at the University of Oklahoma. And uh, it was organized completely and totally by members of the team. So no one on staff had anything to do with it. And members of the Oklahoma football team decided we are going to host. Now, there's just no way in the world this wasn't coordinated with somebody who knows what they're doing. But officially it wasn't. And we're going to host an unofficial visit. So uh, the football players put that together. Uh, They hosted people in their dorms or wherever people stayed or maybe at a local hotel. They uh, gave them tours of the campus and the weight room and the facilities and the uh, educational resources, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then when it came time to meet with the coaches, what they did instead was go to their dorm room or their hotel room and uh, have a Zoom call and have a chance to talk via phone, even though they're all in the same city, they're probably on the same campus at the same time. Uh, via Zoom call to talk about any questions or concerns or uh, that kind of thing with all the recruits. And I think they hosted roughly 20 recruits in that capacity. So all those kids that went on that unofficial visit that was hosted by the football players, right, had to pay their own way there. And they uh, couldn't go through your traditional tour, or any of the traditional items that they would normally do on that tour. But the football players acted as buddies, like, oh, we're just your buddy and we're hosting you to come over and see me at school. And they did that. And so far, I haven't seen any blowback on that. But I also think it is walking a pretty fine line. And uh, subsequently, Oklahoma did lose last week uh, to Kansas State. And who knows how that'll all play out because also it's hard to recruit uh, if you're not winning. Uh, But you will on Twitter or if you follow certain kids see that they're going on an unofficial visit or seeing articles about kids taking matters into their own hands. And at that point what they've done and this happens a lot, actually, is the moment you express interest and you start talking to a school and a school's offered you, you will have players on the squad that want to be your buddy, too. And because uh, the football team wants to help recruit who it is that they'll be playing with. And then, for instance, in Jackson's case, um, he's been a verbal commit now almost for an entire year, and he's on a text thread with all the other verbal commits. And he's also on a text thread with some of the players up there that are um, starting to let him know about what to expect and what they're doing and giving him kind of a a day-in-the-life view of what's going on with the football team. And um, he's had the opportunity to go down to Orem High School and work out with Penny Sewell over the summer. And 
Um, I don't know that everybody and their dog gets a chance to work out with Penny, but Penny, Penny at that point was uh, a teammate that would have been a teammate with Jackson's when he showed up in January. And so, you know, it's in everybody's best interest that the incoming guys know exactly what they're doing and start training in such a way that they would be more prepared to play. Uh, Kingsley down in Orem as well got the opportunity to work out with Kingsley. So these are the things that can happen when you start having relationships. And so although the NC2A has this blackout period and there are no official visits going on, and, and at this point some universities are planning them for January and no unofficial visits are happening, there are, uh, and unofficial generally means you would meet with all the coaches and staff and trainers and uh, educational people and the uh, go see the dorms or go see where you would be living. There are student athletes that are taking it upon themselves, both at the college level and at the high school level, to make sure those visits happen because either A, they're planning on making a decision in the early signing period and, they're, and they don't want to make that big of a decision without at least going on site and, and doing what they can. And I understand that and some of those things are kind of walking the line, but at this juncture, the NC2A has not come out. If you have a student athlete that's interested in taking a visit to a university during this blackout period and you want to just run it past me, feel free to DM me and I'll just kind of walk you through what you can expect as well as um, what you need to make sure you do so it doesn't ruin anybody's chances at eligibility or create any violations or anything like that. Okay, today is October 1st, and first, bright and early this morning, if you're registered with the NC2A and you have, um, and you have your transcripts over to the NC2A, which we've talked about on a prior podcast, you were asked to go in and request a final amateur status, your amateurism status. So what is that? So in order to play at uh, D1 football or D2 football, you have to have not only all your clearinghouse stuff handled, i.e. all your core credits over to the NC2A and all your transcripts over to the NC2A, and you have to have made sure all your core classes meet within their uh, GPA eligibility standards, as well as your test scores meeting their test score standards. At that point, what you want to do is you will get an email from them saying, hey, we see that you're planning on rolling on this date. So anyone that's coming in on the early signing period, uh, today is the first day you can request your amateur status. So you would need to go into your eligibility dashboard and answer the questions they are asking and submit that eligibility uh, for review so that they could grant you final eligibility status. So before you can play in any games or practice or anything like that at your university, and I realize that today is October 1st and most kids will be going on campus in roughly 90 days, that status can take a minute. It, they have laid off 600 workers at the NC2A. So I'm be first in line. Get in there today or tomorrow. Make sure everything's in there the way it should be in there and then request your final amateur status. 
because that's what needs to happen in order for you to play. So anyone who's planning on entering the uh, entering school early needs to do that in October right away, especially if you have your core classes in there at a level in which um, you you need to have them. And then just a quick note while I'm thinking about it, Jackson had a call this morning with uh, his counselor at Corner Canyon High School, and she said something to me that I wasn't aware of. And apparently, if you graduate early, they actually refund you uh, the student, some of your tuition money that would have been paid by the government had you stayed for the full year. And so she, his counselor actually said, oh, okay, we're going to make sure you get your paperwork and your uh, money. And he was like, money? Yeah, the government gives us X amount of dollars per student per day. And when you graduate early, the government is going to give us those funds anyway. So we pass at least a portion of those funds. Um you know, we pass a portion of those funds on to the student. So just kind of be aware of that. We had no idea that was going to happen. Apparently, we're getting some money back. We're not, we have no idea how much it is. And yay, yay for us. Um, And then the other thing is, is that it is possible for you to combine uh, both an athletic scholarship as well as government grants. And so if you think that your athlete um may qualify for uh, government grants, and some universities absolutely require this, not all of them do, you can also fill out uh, what's called the FAFSA. And if you're going to be in college in January, you should be filling, today is the first day that you can fill out the FAFSA as well. And that may possibly get your student athlete some additional funds in the way of grants, depending on your household income size and all that kind of stuff. But today is the first day for January that you can fill out that information. So just be aware that that's going on as well. Okay, Uh, the next thing I said we were going to cover was the kind of offers that are going out. What I'm starting to see now more and more is uh, more preferred walk-ons going out. So we're in the fall time zone. Uh, There are some uh, full rides still going out. Teams are really firming up their numbers as we head into the last two months before signing day. Um, So if they look like they're pretty firm on their numbers or they don't know what their scholarship count's going to be, they're starting to say, hey, there's some kids out there we want to let them know that we would still love them to come and play for us. So we're going to start handing out preferred walk-ons, PWOs. So if there's a university that you specifically want to play for and you've been talking back and forth with them and it doesn't look like they've pulled the trigger yet, but you're seeing them offer somebody in your same type of position position, preferred walk-on, that means at this point that they may not have room for you and you might want to, from a relationship management standpoint, cross them off your list. Because that means either A, they don't have enough scholarships right now, or or B, they, in order to try and get some more kids in the door, they're going to offer PWOs. So I know I specifically have a kid on Corner Canyon that was hoping to get offers from two other universities. And those universities have started uh, handing out PWOs. And so um, I kind of said to him, hey, listen... 
It looks like those two universities that you're hoping would offer are starting to hand out PWOs, so they may not have any more scholarships to offer. So you may want to look at your football scholarships and lock that down because somebody's going to take that offer before you've had a chance to take that offer. So be aware, where am I on my big board? Where am I, am I in my relationships? Are people, Are they going to pull the trigger on me? Aren't they going to pull the trigger on me? Does it make sense for me to commit now? If I don't hurry and commit, is someone else going to come in and take my offer? These are questions that you should always be asking yourself. And then last but not least on this particular episode, let's talk about decommitments. So Sometimes what will happen about this time frame, especially this year, I think you're going to see an uptick in decommitments. And the reason why I think that is some universities aren't ready to pull the trigger until the very last moment. And they may find out, oh, we're not getting our number one guy or number two guy. So now we want to pull the trigger on our number three guy. And maybe you're their number three guy. And there's nothing wrong with that because at the end of the day, if they're going to um, pay for your schooling, that's the goal, right? Right now, the goal is I want to go play college at the next level. So what I what generally will start to happen about this time is maybe a bigger, better school will come in. And so an athlete will decommit because he wants to go to the bigger, better school. I think this year there were athletes committing because they thought they wanted to go to XYZ school, but they never got to go on campus. They couldn't financially find a way to get there on their own. They never had a chance to have an official or an unofficial visit. And then some school they're very familiar with comes along and they feel comfortable in that with that program and they want to stay, let's say, stay home. You are going to see people decommit during this time frame. Be on the lookout for those decommitments because when those decommitments happen, that may mean that they need to pull the trigger on another kid. So just be aware that that's going to happen. Um, We're not decommitting. We're still locked in 100% to the University of Oregon, so you won't see that from us. But I think you are going to see that from a lot of kids and uh, sometimes that'll go almost viral. Last year, Van Fillinger uh, was committed to the University of Texas, and he was committed all the way up through mid-November, I want to say, maybe even early December. And then at the end of that year in coaching, the coaches that had really gone after him and really had uh, recruited him ended up leaving that university and going off to different schools. And that changed the landscape for for van and this is a big decision kids are going to need to go and like compete and have a love connection with the coaches and a love connection with the university etc 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 and so uh when van saw that landscape change and saw that the coaches that he thought were on his you know some of his biggest allies at that university had left and gone to other schools that changed things for him as well and so he had the opportunity to go back into his offers and then Frankly, a bunch of new offers ended up coming back in because people aren't going to offer somebody who's committed. Sometimes you're so committed at a university, no other offers are going to come in. Since Jackson committed a year ago, um, he's had some great things happen. He uh, saw... He got his fourth star. He uh, got ranked as the number one center in the country. Um, a lot of really great uh, football tape 
was able to be made. And we've had exactly one offer after our uh, commitment to the University of Oregon because other people would come in and they would say to Jackson, how committed are you to Oregon? And he would say, oh, I'm really committed. And so we didn't get other offers that we might have gotten. But when Van decommitted last year, he ended up picking up not only the offers that he had, but I think when all is said and done, he probably had 29, 30 offers and he got to really go back and look at those and go, okay, who still has a spot left? Who really wants me? And, you know, who am I feeling most comfortable with? And his kind of fallback position at that point and the person he felt most comfortable with was Morgan Scally and the defense up at the University of Utah. And so that's what he did. He accepted that um scholarship offer. So don't be surprised if you see kids decommitting. The landscape will change over the next two months depending on win-loss records, depending on coaches and where they are and where they may be going. And at this point, um, the NC2A has not moved that early signing date. I believe that early signing date this year is on December uh, 18th. Um, I'll have to double check that, but just, you know, be aware of that. When you see decommitments, that's not necessarily a bad thing. What that is, is an opportunity for somebody else to come in and fill that role. So look at your relationship management, look at your big board and decide, oh, is is this possibly an, uh, an opportunity for me as well? Okay, guys, we covered all the things. We covered why what happens now that the Power Five is playing and eligibility and everybody's still eligible and they still get that additional year of eligibility. So we'll wait for the NC2A to make sure they come in and do some clarification of that. about that at some point. We talked about the blackout period and the fact that there are no unofficial or official visits right now and when you can expect to see those kind of start pushing to and how you can have an unofficial visit but what that would entail. We talked about amateur status and making sure you go into your eligibility through the NC2A and request your final amateur status and do that today or tomorrow. Please, 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 please don't get caught on that one. We talked about the kind of offers that are going out right now. We also talked about decommitments that may possibly be coming down the line. As always, if you need anything, please reach out to me in my DMs. I usually, every time I post an episode, somebody reaches out to me with a question and it's great and I love having those relationships and I love helping, I mean, our goal And when I say our, I mean our family in general. Our goal is to see as many people as can move on to the next level and and continue to chase their dreams. So that's what we're all about here. And until next time, just do the next right thing, one thing at a time, and it will take you all the way home. Okay, guys. Bye-bye.